from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at guard 5-6, C.L. Whiteside. That's that old Bulls Michael Jordan introduction. What you know about that? You're in the right place. This is the non-microwave truth. A time of grace production. I just feel like switching it up a little bit. We are going to do a lot of challenging our culture's truth and perspective. Let's get into our first world problem today. I don't know what I was reading or, or looking at in the Bible, but I was just like, man, it's a good number of people in the Bible that were on some superhero stuff. Meaning they were doing stuff the average man couldn't do, like whooping a hundred dudes at one time, defending God's people type of stuff and had to murk some people. If you don't know what murk means, that means kill. And I got to thinking, this is our first world problem question today. What's the best weapon used in the Bible? Like what weapon is on the most superhero type stuff? Like, you know, Wolverine, he has the claws that come out of his hands. Batman. He has the bat gun. He has the Batmobile. He got the, the belt. Captain America, he has the shield. Who else is it? Thor. Thor has the hammer. You get the picture. Now, the thing about the Bible and the people that I'm talking about, this is real, though. Like, this is 100% real, 100% truth. And I want you to think about this for our first world problem question. What do you think is like the most dope or like superhero type of weapon? I'm going to give you three choices. You can come up with one on your own. But here are the three choices and the three people that I'm thinking about. David and his slingshot. He knocked out a giant, a giant by the name of Goliath with a slingshot and a stone. He finished with a sword, but I feel like a sword is typical. If you like, if you want to read about this, this is 1 Samuel 17. That's, our, that's your first choice. Possibility, I should say. David and his slingshot. Second person I was thinking about, Samson. Samson weapon was a donkey jawbone. Yes, a jawbone of a dead animal that was a donkey. This is in Judges chapter 15. He killed a thousand men. Yes, you heard it right. He killed a thousand men. And Samson is a funny dude because he played fake prisoner and he let his people tie him up. Then he bust out of it and then he killed a thousand men with a donkey jawbone. And on top of that, he talked trash. He said, with the donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With the donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. <laughs> he thought he had bars. He was on his Muhammad Ali type stuff. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Ah, rumble, young man, rumble. But yeah, he did that with a donkey's jawbone. Okay, the third weapon that I thought about came from Shamgar. He was another judge like Samson. I don't know if I mentioned that about Samson, but you might already know that. But yes, he was another judge and he had an ox goat. What in the world is an ox goat? I had to look this up. Google picture looked like a spear slash staff, kind of with a hook at the end. But bottom line is he killed 600 Philistines with this. This is at the end of Judges chapter three. And I'm like, that's pretty beastie. He's the one I wish, or, you know, when you get to heaven, you like, God, tell me some more about Shamgar and his story. Because he only has one verse at the end of Judges. But what do you think is the best weapon? This one is tough for me. I, I really don't know. I don't think I can narrow it down. But remember, I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is championlife23. Which one of these was the best weapon? Or could you come up with a different weapon in the Bible that you thought was pretty beastie? and on some superhero stuff.
And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Steward This. I started to name it Word for the Year 2. Because if you remember last year, at this exact time, I had an episode called Word for the Year. And what I do is I pick a word for the year to live by because your boy's birthday is coming up. Last year, I picked the word prioritize. And my thought process behind that was, all right, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. I need to determine which things are more important. And the whole reason I do this, I got this from John Gordon. I probably for like five or six years I've been doing this now is to pick a word that I feel like God is telling me, hey, little man, make sure you live by this. Something that draws me closer to him, something that helps me grow in a more specific way. And on my last episode, I told you that I was picking between the words bold, stewardship and servitude. And I think I think I'm going to go with steward. I don't know if I'm going to pick steward or stewardship. But I don't know. That's I'm going with Stuart, though, unless I feel like the Lord in the next week or two tells me to change the word. I'm going with Stuart, Stuart or stewardship. And this is something that I have friends that do it with me. Family members do it with me as well. My brother does it with me. My wife does it with me. Close friends do it with me. And with this word, we look at it from a biblical perspective, add some Bible passages to go along with it. And yeah, you're like, why in the world did you pick Stuart? Or stewardship. All right, well, I'm going to tell you this. But at first, I want you just to think about this. Because on this episode of Steward This, you have to really think about this. If someone asks you, what do you own? What do you personally own? Not your mama, not your daddy, but what do you own? I know some people are thinking, like, I own a bunch of shoes. I got to do Jordans. Some people are like, I just bought a house. We own our first home. You own your phone. You own your car. I'm guessing I don't know if anybody owns a plane. And maybe some of y'all don't have a thing to your name or you have a bunch of stuff to your name. But what I want to get at is the whole concept of owning is unique, especially comparing owning on this world to what do we really own from a biblical standpoint? And right away, I have to challenge culture's truth and culture's perspective with owning things like our culture definitely tells us that we own our body this is my body and i can do what i want okay these are my talents uh this is my money i worked hard for my money right this is my life to do what i want that's what our culture tells us and if we see if you've ever seen a little kid who they know a couple of words but they know mine 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 and they just pulling something. You're like, this isn't yours, though. This isn't mine. Mine. They think everything's there. We laugh at them. Are we the same way, though? Or when you think about a kid who's like, get out of my room. And if you're an adult, you're like, hold up. Wait a minute. You're not paying any bills. You're not paying any rent or a mortgage. And that's what we're going to look at today on this episode of Stuart This. What really is ours? especially from a biblical standpoint or from a spiritual standpoint. The steward definition is this. It is manage or look after another property, a person who manages another's financial affairs. And listen to this. Listen to Psalm 24, verse one. It says the earth and everything in it, 
the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. Oh, man. You notice it didn't say belong to Ciel or belong to Josh or belong to Emily. It says belong to the Lord. So I own nothing. I own nothing. It's all about God. I don't own the place that I live. I don't own the car that I drive. I don't own. I don't even own my own body. I own nothing. It is all God's. You own nothing. And like, how do you feel when you hear this? Like, how you really feel? Be honest. And I know some of you are thinking like, this is my money. Or I worked hard for this. Or I'm the one who did fill in the blank. But it's like everything that we have comes from God. And this is why I chose that word, because I really wanted to check my mindset. And I really, I really, really want to figure out how do I maximize that everything that God is allowing me to manage is not mine. How do I manage this properly? And how do I allow God to actually give me more to manage? So, of course, the first thing on this episode of Steward This we have to look at is how do you and I how do I, because this is for me especially, how do I become a great steward? First Corinthians 4 verse 2 tells us this. It says, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And if you look up the definition of trust, that's when someone allows you to hold property as like you're the owner for the good of one or more beneficiaries. So, of course, I'm trying to benefit as many people as I can. A lot of times we like, I just need to benefit myself. I got to take care of me. But this passage states clearly that you become a great steward by proving faithfulness. And some commentary that I read said for stewards, the important thing was faithfulness. They had to be efficient managers of the master's resources. A steward never owned the property or resource he dealt with. He simply managed it for the master and had to manage it faithfully. So in this episode, we're going to break up a steward in three different parts. And I thought about calling it AT&T, but. I didn't want to get sued. That's an acronym, by the way. But I came up with TAT, T-A-T. And we're going to look at how being a great steward deals with time. It deals with the abilities or gifts that you have been given. And then it deals with the treasures or the resources that we are able to manage. And the first one we're going to look at is time. Like how many of us really think and how many times do I think like it's my time? I can do whatever I want with my time. And how I use my time is up to me. And time is such a valuable thing because it's like once it's gone, you are not getting it back. And it's just like if you have the mindset that, you know what, this really isn't my time. This is God's time. How would that change the way that I move? How would that change the way that I think? How would that change the way that I work? I know people that make a living off of going to work and bragging about how little they did and they still got paid. But what if we just change our thought process? What if I change my thought process with that? In Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24, it says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And something that makes it tough about time is that when we are working with all of our hearts, And we don't get the results that we want. Like that's something that our culture tells us. It tells us that you got to see immediate results, but you can't microwave that. And this passage reminds me to sow 
regardless of not seeing immediate results. Like you can plant something and it's not going to grow in the next five to 10 minutes. Like it's going to take some time. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it takes years. But regardless, keep sowing. And then I just thought about, you know, how how hard is it to be faithful in the small things, to be faithful and persistent with the things that aren't working well? And when I say it isn't working well, I really just mean it's not working as fast as I want it to. Or you kind of hit that stalemate, because when you think about progress, progress is not a straight line up. It is like a roller coaster to get up and to see progress. Time. What a precious thing. How you manage the time that God has given you is one of the ways you become a great steward. The second one, abilities, the abilities that you have, the gifts that you have, the talents that you have, abilities. Deuteronomy 8 verse 17 and 18 tells us, and I'm gonna put this on the poster. So every year I make a poster, I put the word steward on there. I have the definition and I have three Bible passages. This passage I'm definitely putting on the poster. It says, you may say to yourself, my power is. And the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And this passage is so good to me because it's like, man, the times when stuff is going well, like, ooh, I'm out here doing it. Boy, you see, I just got the new whatever you just got. And it's really easy to think we don't need God when we think we earned everything or like it's actually mine. It's mine. Or you know why it's going good? Because of me and the work that I did. And the thing about this passage is it's like, okay, maybe you did work hard. But you know the only reason you can work hard is because God gave you the energy. God allowed you to breathe. God allowed you to walk. God allowed you to do whatever it is that you did. And God's plan ultimately is for us to advance his kingdom. So just think about this. Am I using the abilities that God has given me that produce wealth for myself or produce more for me on this earth to advance his kingdom? Are you using the abilities that God has given you to better his kingdom or your own personal gain and pleasure? And that's where that passage from Matthew 6 verse 33 comes in so clutch. It's like seek first the kingdom, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all the other stuff is going to be given to you as well. But we usually do that backwards. Like if somebody can sing, they're not trying to sing in church. They're trying to make some panty dropping music, some music that's going to help them get paid. And that's just something for me to think about, like the abilities that God has blessed me with. They're not even mine. They come from God. Every good and perfect thing is from God. It's from above. And if I know that I'm just a manager of them and the purpose of me being a steward is to advance his kingdom and to manage his property and to manage his resources then. And then it makes it a whole lot easier for me to use the abilities that I'm able to manage to advance his kingdom. So that's abilities, abilities, gifts, the talents you have been given that I have been given. That's the second one. All right. The third one talking about the treasures, the treasures that we are given. This this is the last one in the acronym T.A.T., Proverbs 3 verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. And I'm definitely putting this on my poster as well, because our culture, without a doubt, tells us the first person you need to treat, you need to treat yourself. You need a day off. You need a spa day. You need to go treat yourself to a new pair of shoes or a good dinner. 
we get a raise, that means I can spend more on fill in the blank. It's time for me to get my hair done. You obviously know I'm not talking about myself because I don't have any hair. Or how about we going on vacation? We going on vacation. This is usually what I do first. I think the average person does this first. Now, just think about this. I'm going to break it down to you like this. If God came to you and said, I'll give you one million dollars, you would have no problem if he was like, just make sure that you give me a hundred thousand immediately back. And that's the only way that you could get the nine hundred thousand. Or let's go with the smaller scale. You're coming straight out of college. Someone is like, I'm going to give you seventy thousand dollars. The only catch is you just got to make sure that you give this seven thousand back to me as soon as you re- receive the seventy thousand. Like idea wise, that that would be so easy. But the problem comes in because realistically, the scenarios are more like, hey, I'll give you eighty thousand dollars in a month. You just got to wait. But in the meantime, I'm going to give you a charge card for a hundred thousand so you can just spend whatever and. Yeah, you got 80000 that's coming to you in a month, but the charge card goes to 100000 How many of us would go over the 80000 and spend like 85000 or maybe even 90000 or go ahead and max it out and it'd be 100000 And I'm a believer in tithing and, and giving. So I look at it and I'm like, you know what? The devil knows he's not going to get me to stop giving by me just saying, you know what? I don't want to give anymore. But how he definitely can get me and how he gets most people is the devil gets us to live above our means. Buying something where all of a sudden I'm like, "Ooh, I got too many bills. I'm sorry, Lord. My bill's too high. I I can't give as much as I used to. I can't give any at all because I spent money on this or I spent money on that. Taking the first fruits of all we produce. Like how often do we put that in our budget? Like, all right, I'm going to give the first fruits, the first amount of my paycheck to God. And just think about this. If the first thing I thought in my mind, or if I had the mindset that this isn't even mine, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to check with the owner on how he wants his money to be spent. You feel me with that? I'm going to say that again. If I thought this wasn't mine, the first thing that I would do is I would check with the owner on how he wants his money to be spent. And that's part of being a great steward. And as I mature and grow in God's word, it's very obvious that I'd rather be a manager for God than a boss for the devil. And an underrated dangerous thing is for God to allow us to manage more when we aren't doing well with what we have. This can actually be a temptation that the devil asks God, hey, allow them to have more and see how they do. And a point that I have to bring up before we move on on this episode of Steward This is that nothing in this life that we've created, and I put air quotes around that, isn't borrowed from creation, isn't borrowed from God. Like even if we created something, some new invention, you had to get it from creation. And like I said, nothing in this world is ours. It's all from God. We are all stewards and managers of the things that God allows us to manage. So to sum that up real quick, our time, our abilities and our treasures, tat, that's how I'm going to become a great steward. And this is another one that I had to put on my poster, Matthew 25, verse 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And I love that passage because that sums up the parable 
of the bags of gold, which is a parable all about maximizing what God has entrusted us with. And that's what I, I keep asking myself, like, what has God entrusted me with? Because I want to be a blessing to others. I want to get the most out of life by looking towards the one who actually owns and controls everything. I'm a steward. Say it with me. I am a steward. I'm trying to be one of the best in the game at it, though. The world tells us, be a boss, be a boss, be a boss. But I'm a servant. I own nothing. I'm a manager of the greatest boss there is. And I want to leave you with this thought. Jesus took the role of steward. He left from sitting on his throne to positioning himself in the same way as me, actually lower and actually a whole lot tougher. He wasn't worrying about owning a single thing when he was on this earth. As a man who suffered, he dealt with plenty of mess and died. He was the ultimate steward. He maximized his time, only 33 years. And he's without a doubt the most influential person ever. You don't even have to be a Christian to agree with that. He was mission driven. He was like, forget the treasures of this world. Like, do you remember when the devil tempted him when he was hungry, like starving? He was tired. And this was just the beginning of his public ministry. And the devil was like, bow down and worship me and I'll give you everything. And Jesus is like, this is not yours to give. You aren't the real owner of this. And even though Jesus had all the abilities and power, he toned it down. He credited the Father and the Holy Spirit more than himself. He took up a lowly position. That's the steward I'm trying to be like. Now, usually I ask for you to hit the five star or write a quick review, and you still can do that. But what I would like you to do is I would like you to pray for you, boy. Pray for me to be a great steward and praise the Lord for Jesus being the best steward. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Steward This. So when you see me in a couple of weeks putting hashtag steward, you will know why. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.